you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a J.C. softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, J.C. softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? So how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn fuel box Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I got our great guests lined up. We got Brett Siaka, a.k.a. Pick 6 Previews. On the show, no, it's uh, his preview magazine is not yet available. That'll be coming June-ish, July. I think he said the target date right now is early July. So we're going to have him on during that time once the book is out to preview the upcoming SEC season. He does all the work for all the entire magazine. It's incredible how much input and analysis and data and all that he puts into that book. So uh, really pleased to have Brett on the show. We're going to talk one of the hottest topics here every offseason, the college football playoff and why there's so much support to expand it. Brett and I are in agreement here that that's probably going to end up hurting the game, at least the way we know and love. So we'll get to that in just a moment here. Uh, I don't want to spiel on a ton before we get to the interview, but we do have a couple topics around the SEC, so I want to hit on those real quick. And my man Jimbo... Let's start in College Station first. Because, you know, after his going to beat Nick Saban's ass comments, you, know, you might think he was going to tone it down a little bit. Mm-mm. He's still on his speaking tour. <laughs> this time he was in Dallas, and he was asked about uh, the culture of Texas A&M and how successful they were last season. And uh, some pretty bold comments here from Jimbo. So let's kick it over to the Texas A&M coach. You know, just about every college football team in the country was dealing with a lot of the same circumstances, but very few of them clearly forged the old, we'll play you anywhere, anytime identity, and we're gonna get after it, and we're gonna like wear that as a badge that, you know, whatever. We're, we're ready for whatever this season, and that was, that's a, that's a credit to the culture, I think. Well, it is, and, and listen, we wanna be in a rare, like we said, we're happy, we had a great year, we finished fourth, that's just three spots too low. Yeah. That's just three spots too low to where we're going. And I, I know, there's no problem. you got to have goals. But if you can't see that, you can't believe in that, 
and it, it becomes that rare air. When, when you get to winning championships and you get to winning and, and playing in big-time games and winning big-time games and understanding you belong there. First of all, if you can't see it, you can't achieve it. You can either live in – we all live in circumstance and we live in vision. I mean, we can't live in circumstance your whole life. We, we make excuses why to fail all the time. And, and we have to have vision of where you want to go. If you don't ever see it, you're never going to get there. I don't care what you're doing, whether it's ball, it's work, it's, it's a company. I mean, anything in which you do. These little kids, the dreams they have, they can't envision themselves doing something great and being great. And seeing, that's the greatest thing about being a kid is, is you know you got your whole future ahead of you. you got to achieve it. And that's one of the greatest things as a coach is allowing guys to start to do things and get good at things they may not have ever thought. But a lot of people say those things, but do they believe them? And a lot of people say them because they think they're supposed to say them. But inside, they're scared to death. And it's our job to help give them the information and the habits and create the day-to-day uh, schedule that allows them to get to where they have to be as human beings. And it's not just on ball. And, and like I said, they grow as people. They grow as students. It's amazing how they grow as players. And But we have to be that way. And, and that's that's our goal, and that's the way we're going to do it. And if you, you want to be the champ, you've got to play anywhere, anytime. It doesn't matter. When you're in the SEC, you don't – once you line up in our league, the rest of them don't. There's, there's good teams in every league. I respect them all. You line up in our league each and every week. You play anybody anywhere. It doesn't matter. And that's that's what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. All right. So there you got it from Jimbo. And of course, the key phrase there, you know, they finished fourth. We all know that. Winning the Orange Bowl and finishing the season nine and one. But they finished fourth, three spots too low. And again, you know, some of you might be saying, well, what the hell is he supposed to be saying here? He's pumping up the crowd. He's speaking in front of a bunch of Aggies. He wants to get them fired up for the season and all that. I get it. But at the same time, why I really wanted to open the show with this is you got to be taken aback a little bit by the confidence of Texas A&M's head coach. And if I'm an Aggie, I'm loving this. Uh, he's not backing down from the expectations. Obviously, uh, it was a week or so ago. He you know, he had the viral comments of beating Nick Saban's ass. And I think a lot of coaches would have pumped the brakes and maybe said, eh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Mm-mm. No, he's piling on here. So that should give you an indication of just how confident Jimbo is in what he's got to work with heading into, what will this be, year four of his era there in College Station. Last season was the best they've ever done under him, and based on what he's got to say here, the arrow is just continue pointed up in College Station, and I credit him, man, because he's putting the target on his back. But you know what? That's what Alabama has every year. That's what LSU had when they win the national championship. Uh, That's what Florida and Georgia and You know, all these elite SEC programs, they're not afraid. They know they got the target on their back when they go into every game on Saturday. And Jimbo's got the confidence to put this out there. So, hey, I keep saying it. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it a hundred more before the season gets here. But this damn SEC West is going to be nothing but just a gauntlet, a minefield of difficult games. I mean, there's, I don't even think you can call them trap games anymore because each and every team I think is going to be capable Uh, On any given day of beating one another, there's not going to be any slouches in the SEC West this season. And Jimbo is pretty confident, it sounds like, that the Aggies are going to be the one by the end of the season that are on top of the heap. All right, sticking in the SEC West, let's jump on down to the state of Mississippi. Fan bases dislike each other intensely, mostly because we are all the same. My name is Wright Thompson, and I'm watching with my family in Clarksdale. My cousin Frazier is sitting with me. He's cheering for State, for reasons passing all understanding. We've got people with us from Shelby and Bentonia, Yazoo City and Canton, Jackson and Oxford. Families from South Haven to Brookhaven are doing the same. Houses divided, as they say. 
It's the perfect end for Thanksgiving, really, which is the national holiday for delicately and briefly ignoring all that divides us. So make a leftover turkey sandwich. Use homemade mayo. It's just a different thing. Pour a drink and scrounge a leftover stuffed egg. It's Thanksgiving night. The egg bowl is on. While it might not matter in the AP poll, it means everything to the Mississippians leaning in right now. Are you ready? This is my favorite game. I'm not going to lie. It's cooled down, I think, in recent years with uh, Dan Mullen and Hugh Freeze no longer there, but the Egg Bowl rivalry, it's just so much fun, and there's always something going on. And now that it's uh, you know not as heated and hated, I guess you could say, it's just as much fun, just in a different aspect with Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. There's been plenty of uh, speculation and some reporting. I think it was uh, the Jeans Page 24-7 Sports that had it first that the Egg Bowl was moving back to Thanksgiving. Well, the SEC has made that official here on Thursday. And not only is the game officially moving to the uh, Thanksgiving this year, it's moving there for 2022 as well. It's going to be nationally televised by ESPN in the upcoming season, of course. It's uh, Mississippi State's getting to host the thing this year, so this will be the first Egg Bowl at home for Mike Leach. First Egg Bowl on the road for Lane Kiffin coming up here, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central kickoff again on ESPN. So, yeah, I get some fans why they don't particularly care for this game being on a Thursday, and it's obviously a holiday, and you know, the NFL's really trying to take over with, uh, what do they have, a double or triple header on Thanksgiving? I think it's a triple header now on Thanksgiving. But if you're a college football fan, you're watching the Egg Bowl. And I think this is great because you're not going, you know, last year we kind of lost it. I know it was, it was a weird year. I can't remember exactly, uh, you know, the week it lined up on. But I think it was the same week as the Iron Bowl and a lot of other good games. It just kind of gets lost in the shovel at least uh, while it's airing. And, you know, similar to what we were talking about with Tennessee opening the season on a Thursday, this just makes the Egg Bowl a little bit more unique. More eyes are going to be put on this game all across the country, not just in the SEC region. So I love this move, but I just wanted to make the note that now it's official. The Egg Bowl back on Thanksgiving. Again, not just for this upcoming season, but the following season as well. So the next two seasons, 2021-2022 Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. All right, last thing here before we get to our interview with uh, Brett Siaka. I wanted to mention this real quick, but uh, hey, big pickup for the Auburn Tigers. Let's head on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Auburn managed to keep former UAB defensive lineman Tony Fair in the state. The graduate transfer announced, I believe this was Wednesday afternoon, committed to Auburn. Is a nice pickup for the Tigers. Uh, this is a player that in, in two seasons for UAB had 56 tackles. That's tough to do from uh, a defensive line position. Three forced fumbles and a sack. Uh, he started his career at Indiana State, and he came to, to UAB obviously later. So nice pickup here for Auburn, and they landed him over Ole Miss, which you know Auburn fans got to love that. And they landed him over Purdue, and you may be saying, well, why the hell would he Purdue on there? <laughs> He's an Indiana native, so... That's why he started in Indiana State. You know, the pull to potentially go home probably was there for Tony Fair, but you want to challenge yourself at the highest level, you come to the SEC, and that's what Tony Fair will be doing for the Auburn Tigers next season. He's got one season of eligibility remaining. And again, why this is uh, big news for the Tigers, of course, Daquan Newkirk left. Now he's at Florida. 
Coinus Miller left. He's at Jackson State. And Jaron Handy made it official this week. He's headed to Indiana. Uh, they also have Jay Hardy in the transfer portal. But he, to my knowledge, has not officially decided where he's going to continue his college football career. So maybe there's a chance Jay Hardy returns. But either way, Auburn losing some veterans on that defensive line. That compounds the fact that they're getting a, a nice addition here, an experienced player in Tony Fair. And, of course, you know, I know we don't talk a lot of UAB football here, but that's one of the best G5 programs in the entire nation. So you get one of their key defensive linemen, even if he's just a rotational player, and I'm not saying he will be. Hell, he may even start for Auburn. But however you want to slice it, nice addition here for the Tigers. you got to have that defensive line depth if you're going to compete in the SEC. I've spieled all long enough. Let's kick it over to our interview. I think you guys are really going to appreciate this one with Brett Sianca, a.k.a. Pick 6 Previews. All right, we're pleased now to be joined by a friend of the show, Brett Sianca, a.k.a. Pick 6 Previews, the author of the best college football preview magazine out there. He's a Heisman Trophy voter, and his book has actually been named Most Accurate Power 5 Preview from 2012 to 2020. Brett, thanks for joining the show once again. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. I hope the offseason's treating you well and treating the listeners well. Um, I know we always catch up closer to my book release in July uh, once that's on, uh, you know, once that's for sale. Um, you know, right now I'm digging into my, my book. I'm done the Pac-12, done the ACC, but I still have these other three leagues to go. Um, you know, a lot of roster movement this year with the transfer portal, like crazy. So um, a lot more to dig into and uh, excited to keep going with it. But um, yeah, I hope all is well with you and Shane and uh, excited to talk some playoff here. Absolutely. We're going to have you on once again, once the book is out and talking some SEC football. But, you know, in the meantime, you, you referenced it there. It's the off season. It's a slow time. And, and of course, you know, the, the topics, some of them are always the same. And, and this year is no different because college football playoff expansion is, uh, you know, it's it's been on the forefront the last couple of weeks. And I really appreciate just your love and passion of college football and your take on all that. So that's kind of what I wanted to just have you on and talk about on this episode. So, you know, what are your thoughts on college football playoff expansion? You know, how do you react to seeing so many people seems like they're just dying for this thing to, to grow from the, the four team format. Yeah. So this is an annual discussion and it seems to have gotten even crazier this year. Um, but yeah, so I was, uh, I was part of a national round table of national writers. Uh, it had, you know, the lead writer at CBS, the lead writer of the athletic uh, Yahoo, et cetera. And uh, they were all pitching their, favorite you know their preferred playoff formats whether it be 8 16 12 I was the only guy to actually defend the current structure the, the four-team playoff um, it's turned into somewhat of the rare opinion uh, not so much the popular one anymore but I do believe strongly in it um, you know so uh, there's a lot to unpack with it but I think some of the the, the things I want to state at the beginning before I give my pitch is, you know, first, it's okay for college football to be unique. I think that so many times you see people complain and say, whoa, look at March Madness. It's such a great postseason tournament. Um, or look at the NFL, how they have their divisions and automatic qualifiers and such. You know, it's okay for college football to be unique. Uh, it's the only purely unique American sport. Um, you know, it's no one else has what we have with collegiate athletics, but especially college football. Uh, it's been intertwined in American history for 150-plus years. So it's okay to be unique. Um, another thing, 
Uh, not all leagues are equal, and it's important. You guys from the SEC know this. Uh, people talk about how every conference should have an automatic bid into the playoff. Look, do we really think the Sun Belt and the SEC both deserve equal access and, and equal opportunity into the college football playoff? I think it's ridiculous. So that's another ground rule there. Um, you know, and the last bit is I think it's okay that we reward perfection in the sport. There's so many teams. There's, you know, 130 teams, 65 Power 5 teams into only 12 Saturdays. So I think it's okay that we reward perfection. Um, and we can talk a little bit about different scenarios and rematches, but, um, you know, to those that say that it's unfair uh, for a one-loss or a two-loss team to be left out, I think it's the opposite. I think it's actually unfair to the undefeated team that already beat that team. Um, it's unfair that you actually are throwing in a two-loss, a three-loss, or a four-loss team back into the playoff grid, back onto equal footing with a team that's proven it over 12 weeks. So, um, yeah, so I definitely have the alternative spin here on this, but uh, curious to see what you think, and, and we can dig in deeper. Now let me ask you this, because do you think it's at all – you know, this expansion talk maybe in part due to the fact that, you know, I, I know it's popular to, to pile on ESPN. I think they do an outstanding job televising the games and whatnot, but it seems like they focus so much of their, you know, here's the playoff teams, the playoff picture, and, and they, of course they do the weekly show that uh, from week to week, it, it's kind of like the rankings don't mean anything the week before, so I don't know why they try to sell it for the next 20 minutes and uh, do you think part of the issue is just the fact that they focus so much attention on the college football playoff because for for a guy like me I mean I care about the egg bowl you know I care about the cocktail party I care about all these games you know there's there's 20 of them in the SEC that are outstanding that no factor in the college football playoff race but that doesn't mean the games are meaningless yet some of the coverage kind of suggests that it's college football playoff or bust and I think that's just a perspective of, of someone that doesn't like college football as much as you or I. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a couple of issues here uh, in play. Um, you know, college football over the course of 150 years, I mean, it was really a regional sport. And I think that's unique. I think it's beautiful in that sense where, you know, your, your in-state rivalries mean you know, so much to these alumni bases and programs. Your, your, your rivalry trophies, like you mentioned, uh, even winning your league was, is so, what used to be so important. Um, and that's a great thing. I mean, you talk to some Pac-12 fans, and some of them are more excited to make the Rose Bowl than the actual national playoff. Um, so I think the, the idea of a regional sport um, has a lot of merit. And I think with this four-team playoff, it's, it's forced our sport to be more, you know, forced into this national bucket where the only thing that matters, or at least in the eyes of some of the media, is this national four-team playoff where you can find so much more meaning, or at least other meaning, like you said, in the in-state rivals, the cross-town rivals, and the conference rivals, and, and winning your league. So you have a regional versus national issue. Um, and then I think you also have, I don't, I don't want to like talk down to anybody that has a different opinion than me on, on playoff size, because I'm not going for that. But what I'm saying is I think you have a casual fan versus a diehard fan. And to the casual fan that maybe watches a few college football games a whole year, um, they'd, they'd rather just tune in a few hours to this eight-team or 16-team playoff, similar to, in the same sense, how I only watch the March Madness tournament. I don't, you know, I don't hunker down and watch December college hoops, but I do love that March Madness tournament, mm -hmm. and that's fine. I'm not trying to alter their sport, but I think to a casual football fan, they'd rather just tune in for a couple games. Meanwhile, guys like us and, and probably a majority of your followers – um, you know, we, we dig into it. We love every single Saturday. We're watching 12 hours every Saturday and any weeknight games we can find and spring games and, and really just loving it. So 
Um, but I think the, the big TV markets, the ESPNs of the world, they'd rather cater to that more casual base and just draw in way more viewers. Um, look at the Super Bowl's ratings. I mean, you think that, the, you know, I think there's 40 million football diehards out there. No, I mean, it's just a national event, and it really caters to the casual person. Um, not even sports fan. They bring in the big halftime show, the commercials. It's more of like a, you know, a cultural thing. So uh, it's bigger than just football. So, so I think you have a couple things at play and you hit on. You have regional versus national. Uh, finding the, the different importance there, and then uh, the way catering to a casual fan or casual sports fan rather than the, the college football diehard people. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw this, but um, the Pac-12 just named their new commissioner, and it's, uh, I, I don't even know the guy's name to be honest with you, but I just saw they hired him, and immediately he comes out and says the Pac-12 is going to be supporting an expansion of the college football playoff. He's going to start pushing for that. So, I don't know. Is that good for the game or is it, I mean, I guess that's not his job. His job is to look out for the PAC 12, but I mean, since when are we taking the cues from a league that is, uh, you know, not being run properly? I mean, I guess I'm kind of answering my own question here, but uh, it, it seems like he's just thinking of anytime I hear something like that, he's thinking of the PAC 12, how do they help them and not necessarily the sport of college football. Would you agree with that? Well, he, you know, his opening statement was, I guess, what he thinks best for the Pac-12, but I disagree. I think the Pac-12 needs to look in the mirror. The only thing holding them back from playoff appearances is themselves. Um, you know, the only time they produced an undefeated or one-loss conference champion during the playoff era was Oregon and Washington, and both teams made the Final Four of the, the playoff. Um, and these are not, I guess Oregon is, but Washington at the time was not a, you know, a brand name or a, a powerhouse program, so... Uh, it kind of proves the, the theory that, hey, if you go undefeated in a Power 5 league, you're in. If you, win, if you have a loss and you still win your conference title game, 14 out of 15 of those instances, 93% so far, have made it. The one that didn't make it, of course, was Ohio State in 2017, I believe, when they got blown out by Purdue. So long story short, you know, if you go undefeated, you're in. If you have a loss and you still win your Power 5 conference title game, you're in. So if you're the Pac-12, look in the mirror, and first off, they should cut out their ninth conference league game. Um, you know, it might be better for TV ratings to have a ninth league game, but if your goal is to produce a playoff team, you want to finish your champ with zero losses or one loss, and just adding a whole extra ninth round of games against each other, they beat each other up. You know, I'm actually of the opinion that the Pac-12 has some solid football teams out there. It's just that they, they tag each other with that one more additional loss every year, and the champions, you know, when, when the dust settles, the champions have two or three losses. Meanwhile, you take out that ninth game, maybe you get some more one-loss champs and into the bracket. So, um, yeah, so in terms of playoff bracket access, um, I really think it's, uh, like I said, I think it is fair. All 65 teams in the Power Five, they start at the same point in August. When the football's kicked off, everyone, ha you know, everyone controls their own destiny out of that pack, those 65 Power Five teams. Go undefeated, you're in. Have a loss? You know, win your conference title game, you're you're pretty much in. Until the time where five, all five conferences have produced an undefeated conference champion, I'm okay with four. I think it's perfect. Um, and again, I, I don't really have an answer for the for the group of five non-AQ teams. Uh, I I don't think the conferences are equal when you look at not only the recruiting numbers are just astronomically different. The head-to-heads on the field, the teams actually playing each other, it's you know slight, it's slighted way towards the Power Five in terms of win-loss record head-to-head. And then the NFL, too. I mean, there isn't some crazy bias if, you know, the, the Power Fives are having 10 times as many draft picks. So, um, you know, all that to say, I forgot to put this into my point at the beginning. I like the four-team bracket, but with a twist. I'd actually bring back the old BCS formula to 
to um, you know, to select the teams. And you, talk, you touched on this with the committee. I think a lot of people's problem with the current playoff structure is pinned on the committee. And I agree with it. I think that it's, you know, it's, it's secretive. It's behind closed doors. They change their criteria every week. Uh, these guys are all connected to the Power Five conferences anyway. Uh, you know, they're, they're athletic directors or former coaches or whatever. They're all tied into it. I think if you make it transparent, separate the actual playoff number of teams versus the selection process and make it transparent. Hey, here's the formula. Here's the exact criteria. Um, and then maybe even a, a nationwide poll like the AP poll where you have hundreds of sports writers not tied directly to the conferences and schools um, to represent everybody. So I don't know. I, I, I like the four team. I like, I'd like to switch the selection process. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up on um, when they think of four team playoff, they just immediately think of the committee and the, pro- the problems with them and, uh, if you can separate number of teams versus selection process, I think we can, you know, m- find some common ground. Now, does it surprise you at all when you see coaches that support expansion and uh, just a couple that come to mind in the SEC? I know Jimbo, of course, they just got left out. Uh, Brian Harson has come out in support of it, Kirby Smart. But again, they're probably thinking more about themselves and their programs and their bonuses and all that. So, uh, are you surprised at all when you see these coaches come out in support of uh, an expansion of the playoff? No, not surprised at, at all at that. I mean, if you think of it from the coach's perspective, um, they'd like to add that to their criteria, into their recruiting pitch that, hey, we were a playoff, uh, you know, we earned a playoff bid. Um, think of it this way, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, there was only a handful of bowl games or, you know, a lot less bowl games. So when you got a bowl invite, you were probably nine and two and, and really earned this, you know, this big stage. And it was an achievement. I mean, you would talk about, hey, we made five bowls the last five years and, uh, and so on and so forth. But by adding more bowl games, that just really lowers the, it diminishes the quality of the achievement. Nowadays, I mean, you have losing record teams making it every, pretty much every team that goes six and six or better is in a bowl game. It's, you know, half of FBS now, more than half. So when you say you're a bowl team nowadays, does that really do anything? I mean, does that really prove your point? Um, you know, so I think that the, the more you expand the playoff, that waters down the actual achievement of being a playoff contender, I mean, a, a, a playoff selection. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but of course, if you want to get that playoff bonus on the resume and be able to pitch to recruits, then yeah, I mean, uh, I, I totally agree that they would be saying that. But in terms of the health of the sport and what the fans want and uh, diminishing the importance of the regular season. I don't know that, you know that it goes that way. Yeah, and you know I'm a I'm a little concerned. Maybe I'm just reading too much into these headlines and, and things that are being said, but I am concerned that the playoff will expand. But I am looking at it. There's a little bit of silver lining there. If the playoff expands, won't that just more than likely just result in more SEC teams in the field every year? <laughs> it seems like that's what they're trying to get away from, but. I think it's just going to result in, in more SEC teams in there. Mike, you're spot on with that. Uh, and it reminds me of the last time we expanded when, uh, you know, it used to be the BCS one versus two. And that was going pretty well. You had a couple hiccups, but it was going relatively well. Now, what game, what exact season changed the public perception of it? It was when, in 2011, it was a rematch of two SEC teams. And, you know, everywhere outside the southeast of America was up in arms. Oh, we can't have two SEC teams making it anymore. We need to expand. Okay. So then we expand to four. And then what's the only situation that we've had multiple teams from one conference in? Uh, it was the SEC a couple of years back. So uh, yeah, if you go to eight, you'll get, start getting three and four SEC teams in there. So uh, to SEC fans and your podcast, that's excellent. Um, but I don't think, uh, yeah, these people that want to expand to lessen the SEC's 
playoff access, it's going to go the other way. Because, you know, just take last year, for example, I was thinking of teams like Florida and Georgia who were definitely solid teams, uh, good metrics, good numbers, uh, hard strength of schedule, and they got tagged with two losses. So I think if you go to eight or 16, those two are probably both in the bracket. And that that's great if you're a Gator or a Bulldog or, or your show. But at the end of the day, we kind of already proved that out, right? You already had Florida play Georgia. We already had Alabama play both of them, beat both of them. Why do you need to put Georgia back onto equal footing with Alabama after their blowout? Or why would you then put Florida back onto equal footing with Alabama after the SEC title game a week earlier? Already settled it. So, you know, from that sense, I, I think it's pretty unfair to the teams that actually grind it out, go undefeated or one loss, and win the league. So, um yeah, I, I think, to your point, they should be careful what they wish for because this thing's going to look like an SEC tournament uh, in a few years. Uh, last thing I got on the playoff, I just wanted to ask you this. How bad of an idea would it be if they expanded it and then they said, all right, everybody that wins their conference, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Power Five, every Power Five conference champion gets a bid in the playoff. How how detrimental would that be? I think it would be terrible. Um, now, here's the here's the point, though. Right now, we currently live in a stage where, you know, we have a couple dynasties going right now. You have Alabama with Nick Saban. You've got Dabo with Clemson. The Ohio State machine keeps rolling. And then even Oklahoma, I think, has won five or six in a row. So it's kind of a rare situation to have, you know, four so-called dynasties in motion at the same time. If you go back five, ten years, um, these conference champions are more variable. You might have a, a title game upset here and there. Um, I think Georgia Tech won the ACC one year with three or four losses. Wisconsin won the Big Ten with five losses a couple years back. So, you know, you're going to get more flukiness in the conference title game eventually, and you're going to have a lot of these multi-loss champs. Um, so I don't, I don't agree with the, the automatic access bit. Um, and like we said at the beginning, not all conferences are equal. I know I, was, I meant that towards Power 5 versus non-AQ, but even within the Power 5, I mean, I don't think that the Pac-12 should automatically have the same access as the SEC champ. Um, so yeah. And, um, to your point on that too, uh, I think that would also diminish the regular season. Um, you know, if you're doing the automatic access in, cause you could have a team, all these non-conference games that we get excited about this Clemson, Georgia kickoff, this Ohio state, Oregon, uh, none of that would matter at all. If you're just going to say, Hey, win your conference, you're in automatically. Uh, so non-conference goes by the wayside. Those turn into total exhibition games. Um, I wonder if you'd have some gamesmanship, and even bench some of your guys and rest them up. You know, oh, this is just a non-conference game. This doesn't impact anything for playoffs. So uh, mm-hmm. we're going to rest, you know, Justin Fields and all our starters. We don't want to get them injured. They'll play the first series or two, like an NFL preseason game, and then we'll rest them. Um, you know, I don't want to get that deep into it, but who knows? I mean, who knows? If it's only win your conference title game, then the non-con doesn't matter. Um, and you're going to have multi-loss champions in there. And one last note I wanted to hit on, because I know this will resonate with your SEC followers and fans, it's just how important the regular season games are. No other sport has what we have. You know, um, you look at the NFL, I mean, do you really think about like, oh, remember the Jets versus Bills game two years ago? Or uh, in college hoops, I can't even name a single college hoops regular season game that, that I've watched or just that really, you know, caught the, the nation's attention um, in the regular season. I mean, maybe the occasional Duke UNC, but those games don't resonate. They don't really leave lasting memories. But in college football, just the way that you have 100,000, you know, alumni and fans and family getting together for six Saturdays in your, you know, in your home stadium, um, the way that you play your rivals every year and it alternates home and away. And, and you can specifically, I know your fans can specifically point out, oh, remember that 2013, you know, Georgia-Tennessee game? Oh, yeah, that was that game. Like, th- these games mean a lot more, and I hate to see it watered down 
uh, even more than it is by by expanding the playoff and making and rendering those games meaningless. Um, you know, the, the easy example, which I know is rare, but think of the kick six, the Alabama Auburn game, where that was really do or die. It's you know that that single play knocked Alabama out of playoff contention and and got Auburn their spot. If you fast forward to an eight team or sixteen team playoff, I mean. Does Saban even play the starters? They already probably have a first-round bye you know, uh, locked in or stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I know that's the extreme example, but uh, I don't know. I don't want to lose some of that specialness, you know, some of that uniqueness. And, again, I think it's okay that college football is unique. I don't think we have to be, oh, the NFL does it this way. We should join them. No, how about we be less like the NFL, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's do what we do great, which is regular season. Every game has that much more importance. Um, make it more regional, make it more about the rivalries and the conference title races. And then, yeah, the little cherry on top would be a little four-team bracket and determining a national title. But, you know, for out of 65 Power 5 teams, the other 61, they have meaning too. And it's, and it's throughout the season, it's their rivalries. It's their, you know, it's their conference title and division races. So I just think that the, the coverage has gotten too national when it should be back towards being regional like it used to be. You hit on my greatest fear there, an Iron Bowl, Egg Bowl, something like that. And Clemson, South Carolina, where key players are sitting the bench because they've already locked up essentially a spot. So that is the last thing that college football needs, in my opinion. And I'm I'm glad someone smart is on my side. So he's uh, Brett Siaka, a.k.a. Pick 6 Previews. Must follow at Pick 6 Previews. We're going to have him on again once uh, his preview book is out. It's the best one out there. I really appreciate you, Brett. Yeah, thanks again, Mike. And, you know, I know that uh, we are probably in the, you know, the minority opinion on this and people do want to see the expansion. But, um, you know, I just think uh, I'm coming at it from a place of love for the sport. That's important. Um, you, you hit on it earlier. I mean, I'm spending over a thousand hours a year on this book. I'm calling coaches, calling coordinators and, and beat writers and going on shows and watching film and my numbers. Like, I, I love this sport. And uh, I just think it's in, in the sport's best interest to remain at four. Uh, maybe some tweaks in the selection process, bring, maybe bring back the computers uh, a little bit. But, um, yeah, I just think uh, you got to look at the whole package. I mean, it would be nice to have a, an extra playoff game somewhere, but what are you, what are you sacrificing? I think you're going to lose a lot of the, the interest in September, October, November. So, um, yeah, always great to have a, you know, a reasonable discussion about it. Uh, I love bringing you know, my opinions forward, some facts, and uh, always open to hearing everyone else's opinion on it too. So appreciate you having me on, and uh, hope all is well. We'll talk again in a few months with the, with the preview coming. All right, just want to say thanks again to Brett for joining the show. And uh, again, you got to follow him if you're not already. I think he's getting close to 100,000 followers on Twitter, at Pick6Previews. That's in the show notes if you want to give him a follow. Uh, He does great work with not only his previews, but doing these radio shows. And uh, his Twitter is just full of knowledge. So he really puts in a lot of thought and insight into all his responses, as I'm sure you can clearly tell there. So really want to thank Brett for hopping on the line and just spieling about college football playoff because uh, I've seen a lot of people, this is clearly a hot topic now that uh, there's so much momentum for the college football to expand. So maybe think about that. Think about some of the things Brett had to say before you jump on the bandwagon. If you're one of these that thinks they automatically need to expand it, you know, it may be coming. They may just be too greedy to not expand the thing, but it's going to come at a cost. I think it really will. And that's uh, that's something to consider. And I think it's something that uh, a lot of people that are out here touting how this thing needs to expand, read between the lines here. 
kind of what Brett's saying. I mean, look at a lot of the national people maybe that are touting this thing need to expand him. Are, are they diehard college football fans? Or are they the ones that watch NFL and then when there's a big SEC game, maybe they'll tune in for Alabama, LSU, or something like that, but they don't watch any of the other games? You got to think about that. So the more I see more passionate college football fans that live and breathe this stuff like I do, like a lot of hell, <laughs> we're sitting here in May, you're listening to a college football SEC, you're listening to an SEC podcast in May. I know you're a diehard. So I'm not saying you're wrong if you want the playoff to be expanded. Everybody deserves their own opinion there. But a couple of things to think about next time you hear the playoff expansion talk get started. Hell, you can hear my dog out there. He hates college football playoff expansion talk too. So I'm going to get off the line here. That may be old Chad. Chad Morris is at my door. He's finally found me. This may be the last podcast if that's the case. But if it is, if you would be so kind to give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app, we're more than happy to send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. We got all 14 teams covered with the beer koozie. So let us know what team you support, and we'll send you that beer koozie to go along with it. And don't forget, I keep saying it, it's really starting to uptick. I appreciate it. The YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're putting a ton of more content on that every single day. So appreciate each and every one of y'all that subscribes to that page. But that's going to do it. Thanks for hanging out. Catch you on the next one.